following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. The life of Jacob, Rachel, and Leah is a confusing one. I can only imagine what it must have been like for Leah to finally be married. Her father, Leban, must have made life very difficult for her, but she finally married, and yes, it was deception that made it possible. She was likely forced into this marriage. Wilda Gaffney writes that Leah's eyes were described as tender-eyed, while her sister, Rachel, was seen as beautiful, and she was the one who first grabbed Jacob's attention. And Jacob, who had to work seven years to marry Rachel, was not expecting to find Leah. She was definitely unexpected. And so this story is one of a father who tricks uh, two of his daughters into being married. And we often focus on Jacob, um, but both women were betrayed as well. And they're forced into this entangled life of competition with one another. They ask themselves, who will have the most sons? Who will Jacob spend more time with? Who will he ultimately be buried next to? Much like Hagar's story, Leah's story sticks with me. And I found myself lingering on this passage this week as I think about the lives of these three, especially Leah, whose eyes are described as tender, but I've also heard them described as weak and many have thought maybe it was a disability. But no, Leah's eyes were weak and tender and weary from crying. Long before she was wed to Jacob, Leah knew sorrow and suffering. She named her first son Reuben, saying that God has seen my suffering. Her second son she named Simeon to hear because God has heard that I am hated. Leah came to know God as the one who had empathy with her suffering, as one who saw her, what Jacob could not see and what we cannot see, God sees clearly. In knowing God and in Knowing that God knows her, Leah is seen and heard, and greater still, she is human. Have you felt unseen and unheard to the point of questioning your own humanity? In our gospel passage, the kingdom of God is compared to a mustard seed, yeast that is mixed into flour, treasure hidden in a field, a merchant in search of fine pearls, and a net cast out to sea, and in the seed and the yeast, we have small and elemental things becoming great. The mustard seed, the smallest seed known to the Jewish people at Jesus's time, can grow into a tree. And just a pinch of yeast is required to make a loaf of bread. Therefore, the remarkable can come from the unassumingly small and slow growing and the unseen working wonders. These things suggest that the kingdom of God is likely to take place amongst the small and the untraceable. The hidden treasure and the pearls, in those elements we have desirability of the kingdom. If we truly appreciate it for what it is, we might find ourselves making drastic decisions to find our place among it. But today I wanna to focus on the hidden things, the unseen and the unassumed and the unexpected. 
These days I am hoping for the kingdom of God. I am hoping for something to happen and I'm hoping for the God who sees and hears silent prayers that come in the form of groanings too deep for words, for the God who knows the heart, the God of Leah. Howard Thurman in his book, Jesus and the Disinherited, describes being seen by God using the phrase divine scrutiny. He says, and I quote, unwavering, unwavering sincerity says that man should always recognize the fact that he lives always in the presence of God, always under the divine scrutiny, and that there is no really significant living for a man, whatever may be his status until he has turned and faced divine scrutiny. When I heard that phrase for the first time, the word scrutiny could only be understood through the negative lens that the world has given it for me. But for those who are among the disinherited, the divine scrutiny of God is where we find our humanity. The humanity that can only be seen and heard beyond the limited vision of others and beyond the limited vision that we often ourselves have. And Thurman goes on to write, here all men stand stripped to the literal substance of themselves without disguise, without pretension, without seeming whatsoever. No man can fool God. From him, nothing is hidden. When we find ourselves under God's divine scrutiny, there can be no deception. If that does not come to you as relief, then there's still so much to learn about God's compassion. Now, if you follow Leah's story through Genesis, you will see Leah scheming for Jacob's love. Her and her sister, Rachel, will resort to scheming and striving to have the most children. And Rachel herself would die only having only two. And both women would use their maidservants against each other, Bilhah and Zilpha, who would, board, uh, who would also have children by Jacob. And throughout their stories, you see these women, these disinherited women using deception in order to gain control over what little um, they could over their lives. And you wonder what choice do they have? These two sisters who are forced to be sister wives and these two women who are forced to give up their children in, in, in the midst of this competition between the two sisters. They are without agency and power and claim over the, the lives of their children, much less their own. And so when the weak are forced to live in a world of disparities that are acting as truth, then sometimes deception can feel like the only choice. And Thurman says, life is only a tale told by a fool, no meaning becomes because deception, and it has no meaning because deception has wiped out all moral distinctions. I will read that again for clarity. Life is only a tale told by a fool having no meaning because deception has wiped out all moral distinctions. Now, if you know what the world, what it feels like when the world has deceived you and told you lies about who you are and stripped you of your humanity, then maybe you know what it's like to feel as if deception is the only option you have. And if you don't know what it feels like, does it at all affect you know, how you think when a poor person steals or when a homeless person writes down a fake address to get a job or when a black man puts a child's car seat in his car in order to seem less threatening 
or when a woman picks up her phone. And this year I have been focused on the theme of hope. And this past week, I spoke to some teens experiencing camp online about hope that is birthed through lament. And I certainly hope that if you heard me speak about this time and time again this year, then that you wouldn't grow exhausted with me hearing about um, or talking about hope and lament, because I certainly think that the world that we're in right now calls us to lament more. And yes, we need hope. I certainly believe that we need hope. But I think that the hope that we will discover will come to us as a relief and resolution for our laments, as were Leah's third and fourth sons. Leah's third son, she named Levi, because I have born three sons. Levi, uh, Levi also means joined or to be joined to. Then Leah names her fourth son, Judah, and she says, now I will praise the Lord. I have come to understand that in standing under God's divine scrutiny and being seen by God in the truth of who I am, I do not have to lie to God about how I am doing. I don't have to be afraid of how much of my pain God can carry. And I don't have to fear that the results of my emotional vulnerability will be rejection. Even before I have energy to express my concerns, they are seen. In God's divine scrutiny, under the truth proclaimed by the kingdom of God, the rule of my life is not determined by the myth of scarcity. And I am not puzzled when I look upon the workings of the kingdom of God and only experience it as the painfully slow growth of a mustard scene or the unseen work of yeast activating beyond what my eyes can see. Once I have moved beyond the fact that God truly sees me, then I do not doubt that God sees everyone and everything. I can only pray that God give me the ability to discern where the treasure is so that I may throw my life at it. If Jacob's story is telling us anything, it's that we often do not know where the treasure is or when there is something amongst us that we should treasure or someone to be treasured amongst us. It's that we often have a hard time discerning where God is working. And if Leah's story tells us anything, it's that her eyes were not the issue. It could be that we often look at or look into other people's eyes and have missed what they've been communicating. But even as we miss it, because we're probably buying into our own deceptive perceptions, that person with their weary eyes can stand before God and truly be seen and heard. It is in the presence of God that we can find what Howard Thurman calls the sound of the genuine, the sincerity of self, that is the greatest weapon that the disinherited have against the forces of deception in this world. It is in the sound of the genuine, the genuine that, that the seeming that hides the truth can be revealed. Um, power and those in power will be upset by the emergence of sincerity and transparency. And we can see it in our world today. There are those who would rather cover up the sins of the past and look upon them, repent and embrace the truth of this nation's founding principles. 
I trust that Jesus in Matthew is telling us exactly what to look for in the kingdom of God and exactly how to respond to it. And I trust that Jesus in Matthew is telling us exactly what to look for in the kingdom of God and exactly how much it will demand, which is everything. For all the things I want to know, I abandon for the sake of being known. The groanings that are too deep for words ought to tell us that God is related to us and relates to us. And it is from that place of being known that what remains unknowable in this world, what remains beyond our vision does not force us down the path of anxiety and paralyzing hopelessness. We can expect that God will know as we can expect God has known us. Maybe you've heard Romans 8, 28 used, you know, that that passage that says we know that all things work together for good for those who are called, those who are loved by God and called according to his purpose. In addition to the knowledge is the call that comes with it. And I am guilty of using Romans 8, 28 as a fix it all verse that communicates that everything ter terrible can be corrected or the cliche that everything happens for a reason response to tragedy. But my work with lament has taught me to question that logic. Instead, I read, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are known according to his purpose. We are all called according to his purpose and all known according to his purpose. Even those of us who are still confused and in pursuit of a different kind of knowing and a different kind of being seen, those who have been unseen, unexpected, unhoped for, and unsought after, and with their needs unmet, like Leah, who gave birth to Judah, from who would eventually um, foster the family line where Jesus would ascend, would descend. Just like Leah, Jesus would also know the pain of being unexpected, as many would fail to see him for who he actually was. But in Leah's story, God's vision reveals itself as a story of redemption along family systems, changing the nature of relation, as well as the relation of nature. God's kingdom work proves itself to be one where those who are tossed aside are called according to his purpose. So what does that mean for us that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers can separate us from the love of God? It should mean that nothing can wedge itself between us and God to the tear us from the truth of who we are called to be. Under God's divine scrutiny, just as Jesus is seen, fully glorified, we might be seen. And it might awaken in us what all of creation groans for. And this isn't just about your call or the prayer that is in you groaning, the purpose that has yet to be born, but it is certainly part of it. This is about the hope of the kingdom of God the hope that the kingdom will truly be seen in this world of deception, revealing a vision where everyone and everything might all be true 
and all stand true as God is truth. Be real as God is real, revealed as Christ is revealed. This is about coming to a place where in knowing God fully, we are known fully, called forth fully into our kingdom purpose, a place where we are anything but unexpected. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.